0: Praise God. This is a happy day for sure. As we come here on this eve of Yom Kippur, uh, you may say, what in the world is Yom Kippur? And what does that mean to me? Well, I pray before you leave here tonight, you will definitely know and have a better uh, understanding and concept of that because it is definitely what God has given to us on his calendar. It is the Feast of Atonement that we uh, Uh, Just uh, come to a culmination tonight on God's calendar at sunset. And uh, what a tremendous, tremendous uh, teaching that God gives us in and through the Feast of Yom Kippur, the Feast of Atonement. So we're going to be looking at that tonight, and I pray that God would just open your eyes to see the depth of His Word and and the love of His heart like you've never seen it before. Let me tell you what, everything He's put together in, his, in this timeline and in all the feasts and everything that he has done is because He loves us so much. And He has a plan to get us out of the mess we got ourselves into. That's the message that He has, uh, the great message that He wants to bring us up out of the mess that we're in. So if tonight you're in bondage in any area, sadness or sorrow or a weight of any type of condemnation, or any sin that is just totally destroying your life and and holding you back, let me tell you, there's good news in this Yom Kippur message. And that good news is that God has provided a way of escape. God has provided through the atonement to get the curse off of you and get the blessing on you. So the message of Yom Kippur that I'm bringing tonight is the curse is broken. The curse is broken. And if God has done through His Son, Jesus, everything to break the curse off of us, let us do everything we can tonight to receive that deliverance and that liberty that He has for us. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, by the presence and power of Your Holy Spirit, through an anointing that goes beyond the limitations of man, but God, let it flow from heaven on earth, and open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to perceive, our minds to understand, And Lord God, our lives to walk it out and make it practical today that we would receive this truth. Lord, help us as we study your word together for it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's give God another big hand. And we welcome everyone who's tuning in. We just thank you for taking the time to join us here at Christian Embassy as we study God's word together. Well, you know, as my kids told told me, and I've told you, they think that I'm like a kid at Christmas time, or at his birthday party uh, when it comes to the feast days, and it's all because it's God. It's God. Like I've said before, man did not give us this schedule. God did not. I mean, man did not give us this calendar, but God did, and He gives it to us throughout His Word. So that's why I just keep going over it and over it because over and over it with you is because this is God's plan for us. And that is seven feasts that he has given to us that he said these feasts were unto him. And the good news is uh, as we study those we can see how God's plan is fulfilled throughout the whole scripture and yet to be fulfilled and that which is yet to be promised and and done for us. So you've got those four uh, spring feasts. We've looked at those here, these first four come into springtime. We've looked at those many, many times how Passover uh, corresponds with the crucifixion, unleavened bread, the the feast of unleavened bread with Jesus being our righteousness, uh, the Feast of First Fruits, Jesus being raised from the dead. On that third day, all of these feasts line up with the scriptures and line up with every time when God uh, gave His Son to die on the cross. He died on Passover when that first lamb was being slain there. Same time, same day, it corresponds. Thousand plus years later, it still corresponds. No coincidence there because God has set this up as His time schedule. Then 50 days after the resurrection, we see where Jesus Christ uh, goes into heaven and gives us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes. And the day of Pentecost, which was a feast, the Feast of Pentecost, the church is birthed. And you and I were birthed with Holy Spirit power, Holy Spirit wisdom, Holy Spirit guidance, Holy Spirit presence. That's why we say we are a Spirit-filled and Spirit-led church, because we want to be a part of the church that Jesus Christ started. Amen. And then we see there's these three fall feasts, and uh, here two Sundays ago, on the 29th of September at sunset, we uh, celebrated Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, uh, we entered into the new year, that's the new year according to God's calendar, of 5780, that God has 5,780 years now, He has had this earth created and given it to us, and uh, we know that with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. Uh, so, if that be the case, come around 6,000 uh, would be six days. On six days, God created the heavens and the earth. Then on the seventh day, He rested. And we know there's a thousand year millennial that He's promised yet to come. That would be that rest. So, uh, we, we see that we are right here in that time of the Lord uh, bringing it all to a culmination of the church age. So we want to be watchful. We want to be ready. We don't know at what hour, at what time, at what day it's going to, but God said we'd know the season. Hallelujah. So we're in the year 5780. Uh, That was Rosh Hashanah just two Sundays ago. Now, tonight, we have come on to uh, the close of Yom Kippur, which would be the the sixth feast on that chart of seven. And uh, Yom Kippur, and that was the day of atonement, the most holy day of all when the high priest would go in and atone for the sins of the people for the whole year. And then following that is the Feast of Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles, which we've got right around the corner coming up. That'll be another exciting day for me. Yes, kids, y'all can laugh at me if you want, but I'm excited about what God is doing. So in case you're here not aware of what season we're in, we've just entered into the year 5780, And for 30 days, the shofar had been blowing and sounding and sounding up to Rosh Hashanah. And and as the trumpet was blowing, as the ram's horn was blowing, it was a signal for the people, wake up, wake up, wake up, make preparations. Get ready, get ready, get ready. God has a new year for you. God has new blessings for you. God has peace for you. God has deliverance for you. God has miracles for you. God has His great love for you. Wake up, wake up. God has a plan for your life. Hallelujah. And uh, so that was leading up to Rosh Hashanah. And then from Rosh Hashanah to the day of, uh, to the feast of uh, Yom Kippur, has been 10 days of all. So for another 10 days, the trumpets have continued to be blowing saying make sure you repent, make sure you refocus, make sure you realign yourselves. God wants to propel you into this new year into such a greatness, into a, a next level, but you've got to make sure you're prepared and you're positioned right. Repent. Don't carry any unforgiveness from this past year. Don't carry any hurt. Don't carry any anger. Let it go. Forgive. Get ready so God can shoot you forward into the mark of the high calling that He has for you. And now here we are on this sunset of this Wednesday, which is uh, the, the e- ending of Yom Kippur, the most holy of all the holy days, when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, as I just said, make an offering for the atonement of the nation, for all the people. He would take two goats, and he would slay one goat as a blood sacrifice. He lay hands on the second goat and send it off into the wilderness. That was called the scapegoat. And that one would take the curses of the people and go out into the wilderness to get the curse away from the people. Now, a lot of people say, and and thank God, over the years, I've not heard this as much as I used to, but I used to hear this a lot. You know, if we have Jesus, why in the world do we need to remember these feasts? Why do we have to do this? And, And the good news is we don't have to. The great news is we get to, right? And I'd like to explain it like this. We don't need to remember Easter, do we? We don't need to remember Resurrection Sunday. But isn't it good to remember what Jesus did for us that on the third day He come forth out of the grave alive, resurrection power? See, we don't have to remember Christmas, but isn't it good to remember how much God loved us that He gave His only begotten Son, that Jesus came and was born here on this earth? So so you don't need to remember these to be a Christian. Remembering them doesn't make you a Christian, but I'm convinced it makes us a better Christian. That's why I teach on it here at Christian Embassy. Because the word feast means an appointed time with God. That's what it means, an appointed time with God. So so here uh, we are, for the last, you know, Coming to the end tonight of the Yom Kippur is this appointed time with God where He's decided on His calendar to meet with us in a different way than any other time of the year. That's what He says. So, so I'm just saying, Lord, that's why I get so excited. I'm like, Lord, I tell him everything. Not that I don't tell him everything all during the year, but I'm telling you, if he set these up as special times that are special to him, then I guarantee I'm going to show up, I'm going to talk to him, and I'm going to listen to him for, for instructions and guidance, and I'm going to love on him in, in even greater ways. Hallelujah. See, we teach our children on the 4th of July to remember what this nation means, Right? We teach our children how to pledge allegiance to the flag. We teach our children how to honor our veterans who have fought for us to give us this great nation and the freedom that we have here. Uh, We teach them that. Now, let me ask you this question. Does learning the Pledge of Allegiance make us American? The answer is no. Does remembering the 4th of July make us American? The answer is no. Does honoring our veterans make us American? And the answer is no. But does it make us better Americans? I'd say yes. Because we remember that our freedom is not free and we appreciate what we have. There is something to remembering. God even tells us, when he's here on this earth, Jesus says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me when he gave us the elements of communion that we would do. So there's something about remembering that God knows as he's created us is very, very important. So here we've been going through since Sunday, uh, back in September 29th, until tonight, we've been going through something beyond uh, just remembering, okay? It is a spiritual new time for God to write your name in what's called the book of blessing for the next year. So that's what God says in His Word that in this time, He is writing, okay, He is writing uh, for us, for you individually, He's writing your name in the book of blessing for this new year. So that this next year, the windows of heaven can be opened over your life. Isn't that exciting to know? Praise God that what we're doing even tonight, God's going to be opening the windows of heaven over our life this this year, over our family, over our finances, over our health, over our future, uh, for the whole year. Somebody ought to get happy knowing what God is doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So for 30 days leading up to Rosh Hashanah, that Sunday was marked by the blowing of the shofar, Why it's called the Feast of Trumpets. And and the sounding of the trumpet, as I just said, was to wake up, wake up, wake up, to check ourselves. uh, Are we serving God? Are we living for God? Are, Are we believers in Jesus? Are we doing what God has called us to do? Or we be in the light of the world, or we be in the salt of the earth. And then for 10 days after that, 30 days, the trumpets continue to blow leading up to tonight of Yom Kippur. And they continue to sound, as they, and they would sound every day because God wants us to wake up uh, that we would align ourselves with Him. And, and the whole reason He does that is so that He can bless us. He can bless us. He can write our name in the book of blessing for the next year. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, the ultimate sacrifice that He gave of His Son, Jesus, was because He loves us. That's why Jesus came. Now now 40, that number is so important in the Bible. It's important to God. Because if you remember, it was 40 days and 40 nights that it rained when Noah was in the ark. The Bible says for 40 days, Moses fasted and interceded on Mount Sinai for the people of God. For 40 days, the spies, remember the 12 spies, went and spied out the land in Cana. For 40 days, Goliath stood and challenged the children of God before David went and took his headship away. Okay, so 40, 40, 40, 40 days, Jonah warned Nineveh of judgment. 40 days, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the Bible says. 40 days Jesus was seen in pure white linen after the resurrection before He ascended unto the Father where He's now interceding for you and me. 40 days, 40 days, 40 days. And here, for 40 days, the shofar has been sounding. It has been blowing. 30 days up to Rosh Hashanah and 10 days up to right now in God's calendar where we're at tonight. 40, 40. Why? Because contrary to what people have tried to make you think, And contrary to maybe even what you've been taught in the past, I believe God has done this for 40 days because He's not looking to catch us in a mistake and crush us. He is not looking, I'm hoping to catch them messing up so I can destroy them. He's not in heaven with a lightning bolt ready to throw it down at your first mistake. No! I believe God is showing us with a constant blowing of the shofar, with a constant warning for 40 days, get right, get right, get right. And the reason being because He wants to the Goliath in your life to come down. He wants the mountain in your life to be moved out of the way. He wants the infirmity in your body to be cast out. He wants the bondage that's been holding you back to be released off of your life. He wants the power of resurrection to come to you. The promised land is really yours. It really does flow with milk and honey He's saying. And I want you to be a part of it. Hallelujah. Thank God for His great love. Now, it may be storming around a lot of people, but He's trying to tell you that He has an ark of safety for you. He wants to bless His children. When He created us in the very beginning and gave us breath to end our nostrils, He blessed us. First thing He did was bless us. First thing He did was bless us. When Jesus came and preached His first message on the Beatitudes, He was preaching the message of blessings. I want you to be blessed. And before Jesus ascended unto heaven, the last thing He said is, I bless you. He blessed the women, He blessed the children, and He blessed those that followed Him. I'm here to tell you, our God's trying to show us His heart. He's opening it up. I want you to know I want you blessed. I want the curse off of you and I want the blessing on you. I want you living in the favor and living in the glory and living in peace and living with joy and living in power i want you to have it i want you to have it so for 40 days the shofar has been blowing the trumpet has been blowing everything good that god has for you is now it's yours it is ready hallelujah and the good thing is we now have jesus we who were strangers we who were foreigners we who had no covenant now let me tell you what now, through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, we can be partakers of the promise of God. And not only any covenant, but we get brought into the best covenant, the best of the best. Nothing gets better than the better covenant we have. Somebody say amen. We get to participate in the promises of God uh, so that our day, this day, our name is written in the book of blessings. Somebody ought to shout tonight. My name is there. My name is there. It is written in the book of blessing for this new year. I'm going to walk it i'm going to talk it i'm going to live in it i'm going to experience the blessing and the favor of god hallelujah now let's break it up and look at how god set it up originally going back to leviticus chapter 16 verses 3 and 4 here's what he says remember aaron is the high priest so thus aaron shall come into the holy place this is talking about yom kippur talking about tonight shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burn offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with the linen sash, and with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and then put them on. So before the high priest could go in and intercede for the people of God, he had to make sure he was clean first. Do you see that? Now, God set this up. So here God said before the priest goes in, he's got to first be clean. And I believe that needs to be resounded very loud in this 21st century that it's God's desire that ministry be clean. Come on now. Somebody better say amen. We are saved by grace and not works lest any man should boast. That's what the Bible says. But we do need to realize that drugs and abuse, whether it's spiritual abuse or physical abuse or verbal abuse or adultery or fornication, dishonesty and greed, they do not have a place in the priesthood of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Whether from the pulpit to the pew, because there's now a priesthood of all believers. We've got to learn that we've got we to walk what we talk. Come on now. We've got to practice what we preach. Somebody say amen. You'll do more harm to the body of Christ than more harm to the advancement of God's message of kingdom presence if you don't practice what you preach. You've got to live it. If you're not going to live it, just sit on the sidelines and stop claiming it. Somebody say amen. you got to practice what you preach. So so he goes on in verse 5. He shall now take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kid goats of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering which is for himself and make an atonement for himself in his house. He shall then take two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord, and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell, and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell is to be the scapegoat. He shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement for it, and then let go as the scapegoat in the wilderness." And Aaron shall bring the bull of sin offering which is for himself and and make atonement for himself and for his house and shall kill the bull as the sin offering which is for himself. Then he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord with his hands full of sweet incense beaten fine and bring it inside the veil. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony lest he die. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat uh, to the east. And before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Say seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, bring its blood inside the veil, do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, cleanse it and consecrate it for the uncleanliness of the children of Israel." Now, when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring that living goat and he shall lay his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all of the iniquities of the children of Israel and their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and then shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man." The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquity to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. So he's confessing over this goat two things. He is confessing their transgressions, which in the Old Testament is a Hebrew word that talks about their sins, and he is confessing their iniquities, which is taken from a Hebrew word in the Old Testament, meaning curses. So he's placing sins and the curses on the scapegoat. Now, God is not just forgiving the sin, but He's also breaking the curse that sin had ushered in. See, God doesn't want you just to have your slate wiped clean. He wants you to be free to walk a clean life going forward. The power of sin that broke you and brought you to the place where you needed God's forgiveness, He wants to break that power off of your life so you don't live under the bondage of the enemy anymore. Hallelujah. So, He sprinkled the blood seven times on the altar. We've talked about that even Sunday. Check that message out if you were not here about where those seven places represent of and why seven times so that we can walk in the fullness of the redemption that God here has for us. So here's what's going on. First, we got to realize that God, the God we serve is not this Engineering phenomena in heaven that is distant and to be removed from us. He is our Father. He is our Father. And it is our Father's good pleasure to reconcile us unto Himself. Sin came in and separated us. He wasn't happy with that. So He says, I'm going to do what's necessary to reconcile you back unto myself. And he did that in and through his son, Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 t- tells us about that. So I know when I'm, I'm, I'm at work and I'm working and my kids come in after a day of school or whatever and I hear the word, Daddy! I mean, everything stops. Even if I'm in the middle of a call, you'll hear us, I'll call you right back. I'm telling you what, everything stops because these are my babies. They may be bigger than me, taller than me, beardier than me. Well, Morgan's not beardier than me, but you know, <laughs> Caleb is telling me about his day at school and Morgan's telling me about all her events and Townsend's giving me updates on his day experience at work or college or whatever, because these are my babies. I'm telling you what, these are my babies. I, I love them. I live for them. I've done everything I've done, breaking the curses off of my life and living a life good for the Lord so I could raise up my children in a blessed house. I love my babies. Hallelujah. And and, and the Bible says this, that I am wicked in comparison to how much Father God loves us. As much as I love my kids, and I think it's pure, and I think it is genuine, I think I'd give my life for them. The Bible says in comparison, my love for them is wicked compared to how much he loves us. So when you cry out, Abba, Father, I have a need, let me tell you what, He's going to stop making universes. He's going to stop creating worlds. He's going to do everything and say, quiet, my babies are here. My babies need me. You got to realize that. Yes, our God loves us that much. Yes, He's omnipotent. Yes, He's omniscient. Yes, He's omnipresent. But don't you ever forget He's also your daddy. Do you hear what I'm saying? He is our Father. And Jesus said, when you pray, you should pray, Daddy, Father, God, as we come before you. See, the rabbis, they teach concerning the Day of Atonement that God's love is so, 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 so great that even though He hears us every day of the year, at Yom Kippur, on this day, the day we're in right now, that He's even closer to the earth. Now, I don't know how that's possible, but that's what they they say. They're trying to explain how great His love is. That that He's closer to setting up His kingdom than ever before, where there will be no tears, and there will be no sorrow, and there will be no lack, and there will be no pain. So, on this day, He's closer to doing this than any other time of the year. No wonder I'm so excited. Come on now. No wonder wonder we're celebrating this evening. Because Yom Kippur, Kippur is a shadow of the second coming. It's not the rapture. That would coincide with Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. But now Yom Kippur when he comes back to establish his kingdom and that atoning work had to be done so that he could establish his rule and his reign where there would be no tears or sorrow. It is corresponding with that. Feast means an appointed time. Set up by God. God, we thank you that you've you've invited us into the inner core. Your inner core. You've been into your, you might would say, inner sanctum, sanctum. That we could come in so tender and so close and so not afraid, but as children welcomed by a loving Father to come at this night. Hallelujah. Now I know He's our God every day of the year. Yes, He is. But He set this up as an appointed time. And, and if you study in the Scriptures, you'll find that during the appointed times, everything multiplies. Everything multiplies. Hallelujah. So, so I, want you to, I want you to be expecting, by faith, a multiplication of God's greatness on your life in this night going forward. Hallelujah. So we have this high priest, Aaron. Let's go back through this. And only on this day, he puts on this special white linen. Now... After he has sacrificed the bull for atonement for himself and for his family, they bring him two goats and he casts a lot to see which of the goats is, which of the one goat is going to be sacrificed and which one's going to be the scapegoat to take the curses off of the people for this next year. So when the goat is sacrificed, the high priest's linen robe gets covered with blood. And this makes it impure, so it's not clean, it's untouchable. And he has to take care of that. So before he can go into the Holy of Holies to take that blood and sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant there, he removes his white linen, which is now stained with blood, the blood of the, the bull for his families and the blood of the goat for the people. It's stained with blood and he hangs it in plain view for everybody to see, which represents the stain of sin. So everybody can see as, as he now is getting ready to go in the Holy of Holies and making preparation, everything that he's taking in there is a sign. There's a flag out there, you might would say, of this white linen stained with blood. Now, now normally he would just wash his hands, but being that he's representing the whole body, they, he has to have his whole body completely washed from top to bottom so there's not one speck of blood on him. The moment Jesus died on the cross, guess what? Our sin was washed away and the devil can't find one speck on us either. Hallelujah. So look at here. Here's that white blood-stained robe hanging there for everyone to see the cost of our freedom. That bull and that, that goat had to die for the cost of our freedom. Now, what does the Bible say? That all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what does it say? The wages of sin is death, right? So the sacrifice died and shed its blood for the people. And the high priest is washed from head to toe. Then they put fresh linen on him, white, pure linen... And he appears before the people with this spotless white linen on and they can see standing beside him or hanging beside him the linen he did have on stained in blood. Seeing what we deserve, yet what we get because of God's great mercy. And this is showing us the mercy of God. So this is where we get Isaiah 118 from when we quote that scripture, come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though our sin be as scarlet. Here's the linen hanging there with the blood on it. Though our sin be as scarlet, it will be white as snow. So here the high priest is wearing the linen suit now that is snow white. Though it be red as crimson, it'll be pure as wool. So here we see that that scripture that is talking about exactly what's going on at this time. Now get this. The high priest has not yet gone into the Holy of Holies. He's standing there and he tells them, do not touch me. They've helped clean him, but once he put the linen on, he tells them, do not touch me, for I have not yet been with the Father. So, so he, he must be pure, he must be clean, so that when he goes in the Holy of Holies to make intercession for all of the people, he doesn't have the fingerprint of man on him. Now, if you know your Bible, and some of you just lifted up your eyebrows when I said that, when Jesus died and they took Him off of the cross, they covered Him too with fine linen, the Bible says. The same type of linen that the high priest would have worn when He sacrificed the goat. And there Jesus laid in the tomb, dressed in a blood-soaked fine linen. But when Mary came on the third day, guess what? And then Peter and John came, they looked and what did they see? They saw the blood-stained linen laying there, but the Lord was not there anymore. The next time they saw Jesus, He was alive dressed in what? White linen, the Bible says. And there they saw this as the sin that stayed in the grave and the power of His resurrection was released to now all who would place their faith in Him. Hallelujah. And Jesus even tells Mary, Do not touch me, for I have not yet gone to my Father. Exactly the fulfillment of everything that the Word of God gives us in and through our Christ and in Jesus. Hallelujah. So the high priest, then he would go in and take that blood, dip his finger in it seven times. He would sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant. And this is the only time he was allowed in the Holy of Holies. This one day of the year. This Coming this evening today, right now, this count, This would be it. If the temple was still established and Jesus had not, still, had not yet come, they would still be doing this even tonight. Now, normally, there was a curtain three feet thick that separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies. They said it was so thick and so strong that a team of horses could not tear it apart, okay? Now, on this day, the only day out of the year, they would take that curtain and remove it And they would set up a a thin uh, see-through curtain so people could watch and see what was happening through it. And the folks would have written throughout history that there would be a Shekinah glory that would hover over the Ark of the Covenant as the high priest would go in sprinkling the blood seven times. And they saw the presence of God. They saw the power of God. They said it looked like a cloud or it looked like a dove. Many of them described it as fire. Many of them described it as indescribable. It's just the presence of the Lord. Now now remember, sins have have already been cleansed and atoned for, yet He's sprinkling the blood seven times as He's releasing the seven blessings of the seven places Jesus was going to shed His blood. And we've already talked about them many times this Sunday. We talked about them again. He's releasing the blessings. He's releasing the blessings. On the day of atonement, He wants that spirit of poverty off of you. He wants that bondage off of you. He wants that mindset off of you. He wants that bound will off of you. He wants that addiction off of you. He wants that sorrow off of you. He wants that sadness off of you. He wants that sickness off of you. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's just seven times. He's trying to get the blessing on us. Hallelujah. But he knew if he didn't get the curse off of us, that even though the blessing would come, the curse would come back and take it away from us. So he would come out and he would take and place his hands on that scapegoat and there he would confess all of the iniquities and transgressions of the people over that goat, that second goat that was still alive. Now, remember this, this is a twofold redemption here. He's confessing the transgressions and he's confessing the iniquities. Remember, iniquity is curses, transgressions is sin. Now, if you remember what Jesus said when he was asking the question, who do men say that I am? You remember Peter. You remember? Peter gave an answer. It was a Yom Kippur answer in Matthew 16 and 16. He says, thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. You're the Messiah that all that's been pointing to. That's who you are, the burden-removing, curse-destroying power of the living God. Hallelujah! And Jesus says, flesh and blood didn't give you that, Peter, but my Father in heaven revealed that to you, that I am the Christ, I'm the one that came to get the sevenfold blessing on you and get the burden off of you to make sure the curse was removed, that you could live in the power that I've come to provide for you. Hallelujah. And guess what Jesus went on to say when Peter gave this Yom Kippur answer? Jesus went on and said to him, I also say to you, Peter, that on this rock of revelation you just gave, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Guess where the church is? That's us. Guess who the church is? That's us. Jesus says this Yom Kippur answer is what I'm going to build my church on. This revelation of Yom Kippur is what I'm going to build my church on. The seven blessings and getting the curses off of you and getting the iniquity off of you and getting the sin off of you and getting the blessing on you. This is the revelation that I'm going to build my church on. I give you this because sometimes if you were raised up, maybe in Catholicism, they got it a little twisted here in that Yom they, they, The Pope needs, I need to have a meeting with the Pope. I need to help him get it right because they took this as Jesus building his church on Peter and that's, that's far from it because Peter went on to make a whole lot of mistakes after this, okay? But let me tell you what. What he was saying, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on the Revelation. So if you look at it in Greek, it's so easy. I don't know how they missed it there. Because he says that, uh, uh, that you are Peter, which is Petros. In Greek it's Petros, which means this little, little rock. You're just a little rock. Uh, you, Peter, you're a little rock. You're a part of this. But upon this Petra, which means this massive stone, which he's referring to the Christos, I am the, you're the Christ. You're the Yom Kippur. You're the Christ. You are the burden-lifting, yoke-destroying power of God. Jesus said, that's what I'm going to build my church on. So our foundation of the church is not on a man. The foundation of the church is on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. The Yom Kippur atonement for our lives. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that. When I know it's based on Jesus and Jesus is building it. Then we got a good future ahead of us. So they would take that live goat called the scapegoat and they would confess that sins and and iniquities, curses, put the curses on him, send him out into the wilderness. Okay. And uh, send him out into dry places. If you remember Jesus, when he was talking about casting demons out, what did he say? He said, send them out into dry places. Wow. Something about dry places. Maybe uh, why those pigs that got full of demons jumped into water. They said, we know demons don't, they, they don't like the water. They go to dry places, so we go into water to get the demons out of us. Okay, I don't know that. That's not theological, but maybe that was the reason they did. I don't know. But if that goat that was sent into the wilderness, if he, if he died in the wilderness, it, it spoke to the people that the curse has been broken off of your life for a whole year. However, if it made it back to them... It would bring the curse back on them, which means that during those 40 days of the shofar blowing, get it right, refocus, realign yourself, repent, get right with God, that they had hard hearts and they did not draw near to God. So the curse would come back on them. Now, how did they know that the goat died? Well, they would tie a crimson ribbon, a red ribbon on the door of the tabernacle and it would miraculously turn white as snow when the goat died. And when they saw that white ribbon on the tabernacle door, temple door, they knew that the curse was not coming back that year. Now now, now watch this. In the Jewish Mishnah, which is the book of wisdom that the children of God were were keeping and living by, and even writing down uh, notes of history, recording history as it was unfolding they said sometimes it turned white and sometimes it didn't. Sometimes the curse was broken and sometimes not. And we went into slavery, we went into famine, we would, that year would be horrific when it didn't turn white. Now, now in that Mishnah, it is written that 40 years before the destruction of the temple, the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. by the Romans, okay? 40 years prior, which would be around 30 A.D., what happened around 30 A.D.? That Jesus died, was crucified, and He became the fulfillment of our Yom Kippur Lamb. right? So the temple's destroyed in 70 A.D. 40 years before it was destroyed, they said the ribbon never turned white again. It's like they would, for 40 years after Jesus had ascended into heaven, the Jews would keep going through the motion. The high priest would keep going in. They would keep doing everything, but nothing happened. There was like, God is not working through that system anymore. Now, now, now that's, that's in their history book. Not, I'm, that's not a Christian's writing it. That's the Jews telling us something happened on this day. Now, it happens also be the day that we took that one claiming to be the Messiah and we crucified Him, you know, and we didn't accept Him. We rejected Him. I came to my own, Jesus said, and they received me not. But, you know, they didn't, a lot of them hadn't put it together. Many have and, and say, you know what? Jesus is the fulfillment of that which we had prophetically and uh, been prophesying and awaiting for all of these years. So let me tell you what. It corresponds with the same year Jesus died as our sacrifice where Jesus now took the sacrifice. He became our sacrifice, took the curse on Him so that us in Christ, in the Christos, on that rock, okay, that we would have a curse-free life. Now, that's Galatians 3, 13 and 14 where the Bible says who? Christ, Christ, Christos. what's he building his church on? Peter? No, he's a little rock. But on Christ, Christos, he says now Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written cursed is he who hangs on a tree so that he could get the curse off of us. That scapegoat ain't coming back no more. The river don't need to change anymore. It's done in and through Jesus to get the curse off of us and to get the blessing on us me tell you what tonight if you've not done it before tonight say the curse is over the curse is gone my life belongs to Jesus he is my foundation he is my rock I'm building my life on the Christos the burden removing yoke destroying power of God I'm not living under the curse I'm not living under his bondage and I'm receiving the blessing that Jesus has come to bring me hallelujah See, when Peter gave this Yom Kippur answer, you are the Christ, the burden-removing, curse-destroying power of the living God, Jesus said, now, now, on this, I will build my church. I've got something to build on now. Because before, every year, it was all dependent on the priesthood and what they would do and how they would the people and how they would get it right. And they kept messing up. But that was all in promise. There's coming a day that the Lamb of God was going to step out of heaven and come and make it easy for us who would place our lives in His hands. So let me tell you what. On this, Jesus said, I will build my church and hell won't beat you up anymore. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. Get in the church. I'm not talking about a physical building. Be a part of the body of Christ. Be a part of the family of God. Call on the name of Jesus. Surrender your life to Jesus. And the gates of hell won't prevail against you. The gates of hell won't prevail against you. Jesus said, my church, the gates of hell is not going to win. What the devil has planned, I'm going to crush. What the devil has planned, I'm going to reverse. What the devil has planned, I'm going to take it and do the opposite. What the devil means for evil, I'll turn it around and make it good. What the devil did to set you back, I'll use it to set you up. He says, I've come to make, a, make amends here. I'm going to make amends. Hallelujah. So I, that's what Jesus says, all authority. All authority has been given unto me. And I give it unto you over all the power of the enemy. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You can argue what heaven he's talking about. I like to think it says heavenlies. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. There's wickedness in high places. Satan runs his camp in a second heaven. Paul was called up to a third heaven and he saw God's heaven. So that means there's a second heaven. And let me tell you what, the Bible talks about wickedness being in that second heaven, in that mid heaven. Let me tell you what, that devil has things in, in his heaven, strategies that have had you bound, generational curses he's made sure to pass on and poke it and pass it on to you and you and you and your children and your children's children and to keep that same old brokenness going, keep that same old heartache going, to keep that same old weakness going, just to keep it going, that curse, that curse. Remember, he laid hands on that scapegoat and he said the curse has got to go into wicked, into dry places. It's time tonight that you place your hands on the plan that God has for you and say the curse, the curse in Christ Jesus is gone. He is the yoke destroying, power destroying, yoke lifting, I'm telling you, He's burden-lifting power of God for my life. And I'm not going to live under the devil's domain anymore. I'm going to live under God's domain. And God loves me. God loves me. Hallelujah. So now whatever you bind on earth, where you're at, is bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. So there's some things that Satan has bound uh, from you. Maybe it's prosperity. Maybe it's good health. Maybe it's a good sane mind. Maybe it's good relationships. Maybe it's, uh, you know, peace. And He's bound it. He's he's done everything He can to blockade it and keep good things from coming to you. Right now in Christ, if you're a son of daughter of God, right now on earth, you have the authority to loose what the enemy has bound. You're to loose. The embargo is over. The embargo is over. This 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 uh how he has been uh, coming in to seize you and how he's been coming in to 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 block out all the blessings from you and the clouds to block the sunray of God's joy out of your life. You you right now you have the authority because you're a part of that church that Jesus is building and that church is the Yom Kippur church the Christos the foundation the stone that destroys yokes and lifts burdens. All you got to do is say it as a child of God. Say it in Jesus' name. I loose whatever it is. And then there are things that are flowing in your life that are not good. Things that come against you that you've never asked for, you wish you'd have never experienced, it just comes at you. Well, you can bind those things. You can say that evil stops here tonight. That stops. So whatever you need to bind, whatever you need to lose, you have the Yom Kippur fulfillment in Christ, foundation of the church with Jesus' assistance here tonight to use your mouth with the tongue. You can release life or death with the power of that tongue, blessing or curses with your tongue. And when your tongue is surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you begin to bind and loose God's plan, God's favor, God's provision, God's anointment, atonement for your life. Let me tell you why. You begin to see the manifest of it like you never before. You thought you were trying to work it all out in the flesh. You thought if you got the scheduling just right, and if you thought if you got the checkbook just right, and you thought if you got the banker just right, and you thought if you got your lawyer on your side, and you thought if you got your CPA giving you good news, and you thought if this or you thought if that, then you were going to be okay. And the kids coming in and praising you, you thought you were going to be okay. But let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. You don't have to wait for all those earthly things to line up you have authority over them you have authority over them and you can your your future has a supernatural element that god wants you to participate in amen amen i clap on that yes hallelujah 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 if somebody don't come to this keyboard, I'm gonna preach and get us on into I'm gonna get us on into Sukkot's and we'll be celebrating Tabernacles here. Pre- premature, Hallelujah, <laughs> glory to God, glory to God, Hallelujah. I love the Word of God. I love the plan of God. I've read the end of the book and we win. And if we don't win in the end, we can start winning right now. Hallelujah. But the key to it all is your surrender to Jesus Christ. Because He's the only one, the only one that provided everything that we have need of. He's the only one. They didn't drag two goats in here tonight and cast lots and one be a scapegoat and one for it to be the sacrifice. Didn't happen here tonight because it didn't need to. Because that cross tells us there was a Passover lamb that hung on it. And shed His blood. And we don't need a scapegoat going to take our curses into the wilderness for the next year because on that tree, it says, cursed is He who hangs on the tree. On that tree, He took the curse off of us so that He could get the blessing on us. But it's all found in Him who hung on that tree. It's in Jesus. Is He your Lord? Is He your Savior? Is He whom you've committed to? I'm telling you, is there anything between you and Him? Anything, anything, because if there's anything between you and him, he is not king of kings and Lord of lords. He may be, you look to him as your God or you look to him as a great whatever, but if he's not first, please hear me. If he's not first, don't put a spouse between you and him. Don't put your children in between you and him. Don't put your happiness in between him. Don't put your business in between you and him don't put friends in between you and him if he's not first he's not lord and if he's not lord everything he's provided for us is not available to you because it comes in and through his lordship it comes in and through jesus that's why every day sometimes many times during the day i just like to lift up my voice and say Jesus, Jesus you are king of kings and lord of lords in my life there's nothing, I love the family you've given me I love the friends you've given me I love the success you've given me, I love the favor, but none of that comes between you and me, Jesus you're king of kings and lord of lords I give you my all and if there's anything comes between lord show me and I'm going to put it in its place. I don't mean i got to destroy it. It, may, it just may be out of order. Is everything in order? This is the night that he propels us. This is the night that he pulls back. And if everything's in order, you're going to hit the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. lordship do you identify anything you've allowed to slip in I'm telling you there's a lot of stuff it tries it it's so subtle it'll happen before you even realize it'll come right between you and him you cannot afford nothing else and no one else provided for you what Jesus has so you have to place him first You say, well, I've been serving the Lord all my life. Okay, don't let that pride stand between you and the Lord. Bragging on how many years you served God. Is He your Lord tonight? Is He first tonight? If He is, everything that comes in Yom Kippur is yours. It's already yours. If He's he's not, He can be. If you'll rearrange things right now. I just feel led to open this altar. This is just a good time for us to come to this altar and just say, by me coming here, I want to make this my sign that I've done, as pastor's done many times in his own life, saying, Jesus, you're King of kings and Lord of lords. You say, well, I don't want to walk up. I don't have to walk up. No, you don't have to walk. up. I'm just giving you an opportunity. To just come to this altar, and let's close around this altar in prayer, saying, I want God to know as I step forward That Jesus, I'm placing you first. I want you to be King of kings and Lord of lords of my heart. I don't want to leave out of here with a doubt in my mind that I have surrendered my all to you. Lord, we just come and we just gather around as your family. We come and gather around as your sons and daughters. We come and gather around here tonight, Lord God, to celebrate all that You have done for us, to celebrate Your goodness, to celebrate Your blessings on our lives, to celebrate the, celebrate the great plan that you got for us going forward. And Lord God, thank You, thank You that You're willing to show me if there's anything that's between You and me. Show it to me, Holy Spirit, that I can rearrange it. I can make things right even this night, that I can dedicate, rededicate, consecrate myself to go into this Yom in this new year that you've created for us, Lord God, in the atoning work of Christ, with the full benefits of the curses being removed and the blessings and the favor coming on me. Hallelujah. For Lord, I want to live for you this year in a way that will bring glory and honor and praise to you. I want to live in your power. I want to live in your love. And I want to live in your light. And I want your light to shine in and through me to be light around the World, uh, that I can bring hope and I can bring help and I can bring joy and I can bring peace to others around me. So here am I, Lord God, on this Yom Kippur evening. I s- consecrate my life to you. I dedicate my life to you and I celebrate what you have done for me and the provision that you have made for me. I receive it now. The curses be gone and the blessings come. The curses be gone and the blessings come. I receive it now in the name of Jesus that I will rise up from this altar of dedication and consecration to walk in the favor of the Lord and to walk in the light of His love and to walk in the might of His power and to walk in the anointing, the anointing that breaks and lifts and destroys the work of the enemy. Hallelujah. So as I go into this night and as I go into the remainder of this year, I go in it as a representation of You, my Lord, my Savior. I go into it, Lord, surrender to You to be used by You to usher in Your kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To You be the glory. To You be the honor. And to You be the praise. For it is in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said... Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. Let's give God some praise.